it was in that moment in time that um, I felt like I did have a purpose in this world. I was loved, and if I were to disappear, people would care. And people started hugging me and saying that they care about me and that that I am important. And whew, um, that moment, I would say, changed everything. So I had friends. I had that socialization that I've prayed for and cried for since I was a little three-year-old. That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with the host of the podcast, Words of Heart, Dion Sanchez. The conversation we have is about Dion's own personal journey of constantly overcoming obstacles, starting at infancy, and how she continues to persevere and chase her dreams. Dion is an incredible young woman who consistently chooses to respond to shockingly difficult circumstances with kindness, hope, grace, and love. Dion is inspiring, and I'm really excited to share her story and wisdom with you all. As always, thanks to Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Dion Sanchez. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, Walker. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Um, so, Dion, you host uh, your own podcast called Words of Heart. And uh, through that, you really try and, and, and promote, um, from what I gather, I should say, the, the, the normalcy of mental health, right? Yes. And like promote talking about mental health. And, and something that jumped out at me, though, is that you, were, you started the podcast in 2020, so you've been doing it for a while. <laughs> um, but you were actually diagnosed with diabetes during the pandemic. Yes, I was. And that kind of led to this. So I don't mean to, to tell your story, so please... What was that? My mom, I'll just say, is a type one diabetic since since she got pregnant with me, and I mean, I was I was a, <laughs> old. It was a very long time ago now, but um, but but yeah. So diabetes is something that's always been a part of my life, pretty intimately because of my mom. So what was that experience like? Um, sure. So yes, um, I got diagnosed in January 2020, which um was not what I had anticipated. Obviously, particularly since we're still in this pandemic, um. Um, until that point, I never knew much about diabetes. I mean, I had a best friend who was diabetic, but it wasn't pertaining to my family. I didn't know if there was a history of it. Um, I had no knowledge of it. So um, prior to being diagnosed, um, all the circumstances of which, which was happening to me was I could have died at any given moment, to put it pretty bluntly. So I just had no idea I was diabetic. I had no idea the sugar I was consuming was making it worse. But right. um, there was no way of knowing that because no food was staying in my system Okay. either. So in theory, it seemed like it was a good idea because I had no food in me, but it was making it worse. So ah. it was just a really... um depressing time um specifically mentally it seemed like my life was at a relatively somewhat normal pace um there was no more hindrances which i can go further into that in a little while but it just seemed like things were at a somewhat good level pace for me 
and I was in school. I was had just turned 24. It was November 2019 of which I started falling apart, basically, mentally, physically, literally. Crazy to be that um, that young and, and be in school and, like you said, kind of really starting to like enter the prime of your life to some extent yeah. and then just get hit with this thing that like you said i mean a little familiarity with a friend but not something that you know again i was the only person i knew growing up whose parent had diabetes like it's common but it's not it's not ultra common right it's not not everyone knows someone necessarily even right but um yeah it was a really devastating time for me um so fast this was about two months um basically from november december all these holidays that you're supposed to be happy for and i was utterly miserable um during that time of my suffering because i had no idea what was happening um i did consider suicide um which was obviously to be to be that depressed and that suffering is a huge deal but the fact of the matter is it was a more traumatic thought for me because I haven't had a suicide thought since I was like nine to ten years old so for me to experience that in my adulthood means I was just that in a, such a terrible state basically a skeleton literally um wow so so did you end up going to like the hospital to when you found out you had diabetes yes. or how did that unfold yes um it was um, January 8th, I believe 2020 or that week. Um, yeah. at that point, I, we still didn't know what was happening to me. I did go to the doctor prior, but they thought it was a flu or a bug. Um, and that evening around 1.30 or 2 a.m., um, I hadn't thrown up in a couple of days. So, um, that evening I threw up twice and then several hours later I ended up going to the hospital um wow. and I believe it was either the next day or that evening they did a lot of tests I'm used as a female I know we're not supposed to talk about our weight but I'm used to weighing about 125 give or take pounds um mm -hmm. when I was admitted into that hospital I was about 80 maybe less um, wow so I shouldn't have wow. been able to stand or talk to be even be able to f be told that so um a couple like maybe three or two doctors came into my room and they told me oh you're di you're diabetic or you're diagnosed with diabetes um i've been well i'm about three years into this um since it was 2020 yeah um i didn't know what type it was that i had and it wasn't a huge priority at the time to figure out what it was that I had because it was such a drastic um, new chapter to endure. Hey, I'm alive. Yay, I didn't die. But um, right. it was a lot for my family. And to be quite honest, they <clears throat> didn't take kindly to this news at all. Um, they were not thrilled with it. And I can go into further detail as to why that is, um, which I'll relay more into my other parts of my story. But they just thought it was unfair for me um, to have to undergo this in my adulthood. Um, but yeah. all things considering, I saw it as a blessing in disguise. 
I'm a Christian, so wow. faith is important to me. So I'm like, hey, I was on the precipice of death and I got resurrected. So that's was my own interpretation of looking at it. Um, yeah. I didn't want it to be in 2020, but there was a likely chance I wasn't going to live 2020. So it was through my diagnosis that I felt called to be a warrior for change. I wasn't exactly mm. sure how to fulfill that, what God meant by that. It was just, I felt like I needed to be more vocal to use the power of my voice for good. And eventually, um, I, that led to August 23rd, 2020, which is when I launched my podcast. So in a nutshell, that was in um, connection to my diagnosis because I felt called to be more vocal and I had another chance to live my life. So I had to do something with the second chance I was given. Yeah, I think that's that's really beautiful and powerful. Um, I It's 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 constantly amazing to me how um how much the kind of the idea of per- perception dictates reality right like like you chose right yes and, and, and like you said through the power of of you know assisted with faith and, and and that stuff as well but you chose to look at it as a second chance or as a new opportunity versus something that's just crippling which in many ways diabetes can be yeah. and especially <laughs> especially in 2020 like to have that in january and think like wow this year's already rough to a rough start and then two months later a thing that the whole world is is stopped by comes along yes um and i i I have to say like you're i don't say this to flatter you but your humbleness is impressive because you said eventually you started a podcast in the same year that you got diagnosed with diabetes coming off of two months of being completely wrecked and then the pandemic happens, and within five more months of that, you have your own podcast, which you don't have a history of, right? You didn't do radio or something before. No, I did not have any history of podcasts. I didn't even really knew what that what they were, quite honestly. <laughs> um, as far as any vocal capacity, um, I want to say I want to say um, within those couple months. Right before everything started falling apart for me, um, September of 2019, um, I started doing spoken word videos. So I guess that was okay. secretly its own way of nudging me into that direction without me even knowing it. But no, I had no history of podcast or any um, thing of that nature. So it is pretty interesting how I came into that um quite honestly during the midst of this so yeah yeah it's crazy so so let's talk a little bit about words of heart then I mean are what are from looking through it you're you're interviewing guests sometimes you're just kind of speaking from from your own heart and telling your own story but what can what can listeners expect to find checking out your podcast sure so um what listeners of your show um, can find is a lot of transparency and vulnerability. Um, I don't um, have a cutoff point to when my guests speak. Um, quite honestly, I just let them share. Um, I do little. If I do talk, it's like to add something from my own experience or just a question in addition to something they've already shared. Um, I love that podcasting, or specifically my podcast. 
I love it to be like an open forum of acceptance and comfort and just give people an opportunity, whether it's from my own episodes, because I do do a couple episodes, obviously, because of my show, but through my guests' stories, just a chance to not only amplify my own story, um, but amplify their story as well in a way because the world can be cruel and as um, unfortunately and it can be really judgmental and they can silence your voice and for my forum I don't silence you I see you I I love you for who you are and I just let it be a forum for them to amplify their voice in a world that can silence them so basically just vulnerability transparency and just acceptance um is where people what people can find when listening to my show yeah that's super that's super awesome uh i i have found through podcasting myself that it's something that sounds like a cliche (laughs) but it's this idea that like we're despite our differences we're all a lot more similar than we are different and I've had a lot of you know I've interviewed different coaches and I've interviewed psychologists and other podcasters like yourself and honestly like when you strip away all of the extra stuff like most of us just like want to be loved we want to feel safe we want the people that we care about to be safe and we don't want people to be mean to us yes <laughs> and which is like that's true for like little children and it's true for people in their 30s and people in their 50s and like the whole way through like as much as we change and grow and develop like at the core we're still just kind of those kids that just that just want to like fit in and have a good time and again you know it's not it's not as complicated as it actually comes out to look sometimes. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes complete sense, absolutely. So talk a bit then if you if you would you know I um I've always interested in people's faith um just because I think that belief is probably the most powerful thing that we have so can you talk about is that something that you grew up with is that something that you found in adulthood like where does your faith come from So um it started um really as far as early as I can remember about 3 years old which is also, if I'm being quite honest, when my mental health journey really started and transpired. So um, basically my faith has started, I mean, if you want to go into the scientific knowledge or 
of it basically started when I was born, but I didn't come into like going to church regularly until I was about three years old. Okay. So, um, it wasn't just, it didn't just random come up into my adulthood. It's something I've always had. And if I'm being quite honest, um, there's, I guess, a fundamental fact or connection to my faith and also my mental health story as well. And and can you elaborate on that? Because that sounds, how does the faith tie into that? So <clears throat> the connection um, to it is, well, for the first two years of my life, I couldn't hear her talk. So, wow. um, yeah. <laughs> and now you're a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That makes um, my podcast symbiotic in a way because of that. But, um, yeah. yes, um, I was considered um, the miracle child um, in my family because I eventually obviously learned to talk. Um, so that's how my faith sort of comes in connection to that. Um, mm. As far as the mental health aspect of it as a result of well my birth and um there was no it was the 90s there was no medical um description or diagnosis for what it was that i had um they just called it two years delayed um Mm. i didn't really start talking and speaking until i was about three years old um i was told recently um, because I've been sharing this story for on a couple of podcasts for about some time now. I was told recently from my mom that, oh, they did some type of procedure or of surgery of some sort in order for me to be able to hear. Um, okay. So I don't know what how they did that, but eventually I learned to hear and talk. Um, so in regards to the mental health aspect, um, and you wouldn't expect someone as early as three years old to even have any idea of what mental health is or have any sense of emotion whatsoever. Mm. But because of all the deficiencies I had, I just, I was different, basically. I was pretty different from the second I entered this world. So I was put into a special ed classroom with Mm. other kids who had disabilities. And I mean, I have ADHD, so that's one thing that I still have to this day. So you would think if you're put into an environment with kids who are different or similar to you in regards to disabilities, that it wouldn't be hard to coexist or to get along or to interact with each other. Mm. But for me, and to this day, I still have no idea why, but it wasn't possible for me. So... Mm. Um, I just didn't interact. And to give your audience and our listeners an example, so um, my father would get ready to pick me up for um, physical and speech therapy, and all the kids would be together playing with blocks, and I would be by myself in a corner probably playing with one block. So me being isolated, me being sort of an outcast, um, there's many ways of interpreting that, but the gist of it is I felt completely isolated and an outsider. And that continued to be the constant dynamic 
for really the, my entire life, really up until I got into high school. So just me not feeling accepted, feeling different. Um, it was just really hard because you, as a kid, you want to be accepted. And I feel in a way socialization is imperative to you kind of coming into your own, finding your own personality, just figuring out who you are. And I didn't have that. I mean, I have family who loved me and so and just played with me and all that stuff. But um, so my life wasn't terrible or childhood wasn't terrible, but it wasn't complete either. So in regards to the um, faith part of which I just described, God was basically my only friend um, because I couldn't change who I was. So um, kind of fast forward through grade school, eventually I was put, not eventually, I don't know, maybe it was a couple months, five months, eighth month, I don't really remember how long, but eventually they tested me because they do several tests and evaluations like oh this girl is smart let's get her out of here so they put me into a mainstream classroom and even the teacher of the special ed curriculum took such an interest in me and to this day i'm so close to her um Mm. she decided to no longer teach that curriculum and wanted to continue teaching me so she moved to the mainstream classroom so she can be my teacher so here i am a new curriculum new environment new kids a chance to have some friends and still none of that was possible and i was made fun of for you know having glasses and four eyes and french fries Although I still don't understand how French fries is considered an insult. I love French fries. But <laughs> <laughs> right. um, it wasn't so much the fact that they were making fun of me for those mundane, silly things, which hurt me. I mean, of course it hurt my feelings. But it yeah. was the simple fact that they were rejecting me, me, Dion, for being me. And I couldn't change that. Um fast forward to another um example this was i was in fifth grade at this point still trying to get some socialization didn't have that um and i would cry every single night like god why does anybody want to be my friend um and it was just really sad and hard because i just wanted to be accepted um so um I guess it was like the math section of elementary school. Um, there was a math question or problem, so I raised my hand to interact and show that I'm intelligent. Because I also had to prove that as well, um, that I was just as smart as everybody else, in spite of my learning um, deficiencies. So I raised my hand. Um, I got it wrong. Everybody in the classroom laughed. I remember this so clearly, like it would never leave my mind. Um, so some other kid answered a question. They got it wrong. Everybody laughed. <laughs> Not No, no, my bad. That's, let me correct that because I don't want to confuse your audience. They mm-hmm. laughed when I got a question wrong. If somebody else answered a question wrong, the classroom was dead silent. So it was like, man, I'm just... This is just how my life is going to be. It's never going to change. 
um, <clears throat> middle school, which is its own onset of challenges and adolescence, and you kind of becoming a mini person. Um, at this point, I had a firm realization of where my footing was in this world, and it was not a good footing. At this point, um, I considered suicide. Um, wow. So, in connection to me, re that resurfacing in my adulthood, um, that was a big deal. Um, also, connection to the story. Because right. I'm like, oh, I'm just destined to be alone. I have no reason for being here. I have no socialization, no friends, nobody cares. I should just end it. Um, nobody would care if I were to disappear. So... Um, that was really hard because it was just saddening and it seemed like no matter how hard I prayed, my circumstances weren't going to change. Um, I only had probably one suicide attempt. Um, and I don't even know if you would consider it an actual attempt, but I, um, to my own memory, hold a butter knife. I guess I was alone one day. I don't really remember why. And... I just was thinking, like, what if I gave myself a cut and another cut and another cut until there would be no more Dion. Um, and I held that butter knife for an insane amount of time. Um, luckily, I'm here before you, so I didn't really go through with it or have any scarring either. Yeah. So, um, I would be going through middle school, trying to find my bearings. Um, I s volunteered for like the morning announcements or something and still nothing was changing. I was doing everything in my power to be seen and to be heard and just to show that, hey, I'm here, I'm human, I'm not a weirdo. Um, yeah. So um, a connection to church, which obviously I mentioned is important to me. Um, um, I was, they had these little middle school small groups and I would go every Sunday and to give you another not so lovely example, um, and this was just from my own personal experience, there's no, this is no disrespect or dis, disregard to any church or demographic, um, this was just my own personal experience, which I'm sure it can happen to anyone, so, <clears throat> um, in these church small groups or environments um you can be vulnerable you can be transparent if anything it's the only open space where you can be who you are so um in these small groups they will you know have questions and and it would have some connection to the big message or sermon that is about to be given but before that they will give you a chance to share what's going on maybe a story or if you're upset, so just a chance to be vulnerable before actually getting into the questions. So, and here's the, this is where I'm laughing because it seems like every time I raise my hand, something goes wrong. <laughs> um, so I raised my hand because hey, I have a chance to be vulnerable and transparent, so why not raise my hand? So I raise it, I get ready to talk, and within five seconds of me talking, not even five seconds probably, um, someone would immediately interrupt me 
And instead of that small group leader telling the person that interrupted me to, you know, wait your turn, you'll have a chance, she's talking, that small group leader would start a separate conversation with the person that interrupted me. And at that point, excuse my language, um, it's like, damn, I can't even be transparent and vulnerable in the house of the Lord. So it was just really, it was, this was, I think I was in either sixth or seventh grade at that point. And it was just really getting depressing and just like, why can nothing change? So fast forward to the epitome moment leading up into high school, of which I mentioned is when things finally changed for me, um, I started volunteering. And again, if I'm volunteering, if I'm in um, a house of the Lord, or if I'm around, if they see me every single day, they have to acknowledge me. Um, but that wasn't really happening the way I like it. Instead of being by myself at the block when I was little, I was by myself on a couch with probably an iPhone or an iPad or something. So same dynamic, by myself, not going to change. So um, fast forward to eighth grade, um, the summer of me going into high school. I'm like, okay, I'm about to go into high school. Nothing's going to change. Why am I here? Um, there... There were some older kids who started sort of acknowledging me. And they're like, hey, Dion, are you going to the youth camp this summer? You should go. You should go. And I had nothing against going to youth camp. I love youth camp. It was the aftermath of the youth camps that I had a problem with. Because I would have a wonderful time. But usually in these youth camps to give your audience some perspective, you're in a different environment, you're not in your regular home environment, you're cut off from technology, so no cell phone, no iPad, not even television. So you have no choice but to acknowledge fellow believers and get closer to God and just interact with people. That's basically the whole purpose of it, is to interact with other believers and to get closer to God. So I'm like, yay! I have friends, they have no phone, so they can't be on it. Um, unless they want to go to sleep, like they have to talk to me. They have no choice, really. So I'm like, yay, summer, fun, friends. Then I would come home and I'll be back to Invisible Girl again. It's not like I just spent the whole summer with you and talked about God. They would see through me, I would be Invisible Girl again. So I'm not going to high school, which is a jungle in itself. I already know I have no purpose, no place in this world. So why would I want to go to camp? Why? <laughs> They're like, oh, go, go. So I went. And I would say me going um, changed the trajectory for my life. Um, it was like one of the final nights of camp, and the topic was the Holy Spirit. Um, there's many ways to interpret that, but for my own personal um, experience, um, basically I experienced an overpowering surge of emotion, basically love, grace, and purpose. Um, I ended up falling on my knees in happy tears, which falling on your knees is a known way of expression when experiencing the Holy Spirit. So it was in that moment in time that 
um, I felt like I did have a purpose in this world. I was loved, and if I were to disappear, people would care. And people started hugging me and saying that they care about me and that that I am important. And whew, um, that moment, I would say, changed everything. So I had friends. I had that socialization that I've prayed for and cried for since I was a little three-year-old. Shouldn't have been able to be incapable of any thought process, yet I prayed for it. Um, so I, I went into high school with a sense of purpose and fulfillment and just knowledge of who I am. Um, and um, fast forward to me graduating. Um, I think this is important to um, highlight and point out because um, when I was born, obviously I had my own difficulties, but the doctors told my father that, hey, um, you might as well dope up with medication because of my ADHD and that she's basically retarded. Or let me correct it. I'm trainably retarded. That's the clarification. But so I was not only categorized as different, I was categorized as dumb from the second I entered this world. So um, fast forward to the high school um, part. I not only graduated high school with a 3.0 GPA, which is, if I'm not mistaken, a higher level of intelligence than normal. Right. I also graduated with two scholarships as well. So wow. um, that whole moment of me graduating high school was an amazing moment, but an amazing moment for everyone um, in my family. So, wow. Just, yes. I, Sorry. I, I, no, 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 please don't apologize to me ever. Um, <laughs> that, that is one of the, um, one of the most vulnerable uh, stories that I think I've ever had shared on this show. And, and, and I'll also say, your your bravery is just remarkable like the fact that the fact that you keep like raising your hand and then like it doesn't go right but then you fast forward a little bit and you raise your hand again like that's not that's not in everyone you know what i mean like that's like now i see why you started the podcast the year that you got diabetes and covid happened because to you like you just you just go out and just raise your hand again right yeah um that's just a it's just a really, that's a really, um, in many ways, a really heartbreaking story. Um, but it's also, it's also, there's also some inspiration there about someone that just has this perseverance and just this, this, this fortitude to just keep going. Um, you know, we don't, I don't record the video, but you have just a, a beautiful smile that you just, it shows constantly and it, 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 uh, it, it's just it says something about um, I think generally about the, the capacity of the human spirit but certainly about you as an individual that you uh, continued forward um, and I love that you're willing to share this in this way because there are other people who have that experience right like I, so to be clear I didn't have an experience like that that, that was that way um, I did have an experience just for a couple of years when I was about nine or 10 years old, where I changed schools, my parents divorced and I changed schools. And 
I had always been like the class clown at one, you know, and I'm only eight, eight years old or whatever, but I had been the class clown and, and had friends and stuff. And then I changed schools and kind of similar to yourself, like no one wanted to be my friend. Like I remember asking a kid one time if you wanted to come over to my house and he, he laughed at me because he thought it was so crazy that I would ever imagine that <laughs> he would want to hang out, you know? And I would come home and cry, um, after school because I didn't understand and actually again it's not nearly the story that you have but my mom ended up putting me into a a Christian middle school and my my family's not religious but my mom put me in the the Christian middle school because it was better class sizes and she thought I might have a better time there and it, it changed everything right it turned my entire life around and I mean I can draw literally a straight line to who I am now from that experience um anyway I, I i'm just now talking way too much but I <laughs> no, just, no. that's that story was just so powerful and i yeah i just man man that's that's wild and thank you for sharing because there's other people that have it and to know i i because I, I mean look there's not millions of people that listen to the show there's not there's not tens of thousands of people that listen to the show right like this show's audience is not huge but if one other person that is even going through half of what you were going through can hear your story and hear your bravery and then know that here you are now still overcoming and still chasing your dreams. Right. And trying to, to make the world better. Like, I mean that that's <laughs> what, what's more valuable than that. Right. Like that's so awesome. Anyway, I don't mean to just go on. No, and on. It's I just... fine. It's interesting <laughs> how you're explaining it because Literally, before I got into podcasting, this story of which I just shared before you, I never made it a point to share with anyone, not even someone I know for five years. Like, I didn't think my story had any relevance or importance until I got into podcasting. So, yeah, your story is really more important than most stories. Like, your story is way way more important than my personal story and I don't mean that in a self-deprecating way no 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 I don't mean that in like I'm not a valuable human or anything and we're not competing but my point is is like you've really overcome some stuff and you've really faced some stuff down and the truth is is I don't have that like right like I had an I had a more I got luckier and that's all it was right It, it that's the thing in this world that I think people don't give enough credit to is like it is so much of this is a dice roll Right. Like it's a dice roll and you got a dice roll that was really, really hard. And yet you persevere. So that story really matters for people to hear the story of someone who got kind of lucky, like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Right. Anyway, anyway, again, I don't mean to keep inserting myself into no, this. No, it's fine. It's just so powerful what you're saying. <laughs> um, I do want to um, mention this also interesting tidbit. Um, obviously, I mentioned um, I got diagnosed with diabetes in 2020. Yeah. Um, I was in school <laughs> at the time. Um, while I was, I I missed a lot of this. It was like the fall semester when you're a college student, missing that some particular last month of a semester is not good. It's literally do or die. Um, and in my sense, I was actually experiencing that metaphor because I could have died. Um, right. <laughs> so huh. in the midst of that, somehow, um, 
again, I missed a lot of days of school. A lot of days I couldn't really afford to miss. Um, Cause I'm a um, major in graphic design. So that field of study is really intimidating and challenging. So I was taking probably three classes, um, retaking one of them. Um, so I really couldn't miss any classes. But somehow, while I was dying, um, quite literally, I somehow managed to pass those classes and its own separate little miracle, um, which I guess goes to show that I'm such a hard worker, even while I was dying, which is right. interesting how that came together. So, Yeah, yeah. Interesting is a little understatement, but yeah, it's interesting <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so so i mean i'm I'm curious with all that you've faced and all that you have overcome what is what like what what do you hope for the future like what do you do, do, are you still pursuing graphic design do you do you do work in that space like what's what's the future of dion what is the future of dion I, that, I think that's my favorite question that I've been asked on any of these appearances. Um, the future of Dion. Well, um, in regards to the graphic design part, um, I did um, manage to graduate a little early in May. So I'm technically kind of graduate. The reason I use kind of in air quotes is um, the final component is to do an internship, um, which I've been working so hard to acquire throughout the summer um so until that particular component is fulfilled then i'm officially a graduate and i can perhaps pursue continue pursuing other endeavors but um as far as the future graphic dion part i'm still doing graphics um but i just have yet to find a way to get paid for it and to have a degree yep. behind it. But, um, so that's the graphic part of future Dion, which is still being lived out. Um, yep. as far as other parts of the future, um, I hope to still be doing, um, my podcast words apart. Um, next month would make it two years since I've watched yeah. it. And we're going to be going into season four, which I have yet to determine how I'm going to um, premiere that because I still have other episodes to do for it. But um, hopefully still doing the podcast, which I've put so much heart into it. Um, hopefully yeah. it's around for another five years or so. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Maybe it'll be on the moon at that point. So right. um, I hope to still be doing that and just continue living my life to the best of my ability so i like to think future dion has a good ways to go but is still fortunate to still living her life if that makes sense <laughs> it does it does make sense and and yeah i i would say you've got uh again i mean just from the stories you've told you know just here this evening which i'm sure there are many many more but you've definitely gotten a, a tremendous amount of potential and a tremendous a tremendous amount to offer to the world um the, the the especially where we are these days man we need generosity we need compassion we need people 
that promote the stuff that you're promoting and it really does matter you know the thing is like something the reason that i like to talk about this stuff on the show is because like if you can act like you were talking about volunteering earlier right like that's that's so powerful to be able to volunteer and actually contribute to helping other people but that's not always available right like like you can't volunteer every minute of your life right you also still have to have a balance to it and sometimes just talking about this stuff just putting these ideas into the air about love and compassion and acceptance and vulnerability it matters like it it has to yeah it has to matter so um well i i i know you've got podpage.com slash words of heart so i'll have that link in the show notes I also checked out your Instagram so other people can go and see your beautiful smile. Um, you're And I saw recently you're promoting season four getting ready to come out and you're doing dance videos and doing like sing along stuff. I mean, it's your energy is awesome. And um, for someone who who has the story that you just told to see how far you've come is just it's inspiring. Oh, um, thank you. So, I, you're like the second person to mention any of those silly dance videos. And I'm supposed to be a person that has no rhythm, yet when I dance, that magically appears somehow. So that's that's pretty funny. But thank you so much. I've been trying to get on your show for a while. You're you're hard. Yeah, we just. I know we just we just continued to have. I think I had something. I I, I for me like if it rains really hard around here, I can't record because the it gets too loud. And then I think you had like a really bad migraine one time. And <laughs> um, but I'm really glad that we. Yet again, you were per, you persevered just in in rescheduling with me, um, and I'm so grateful that you did so that we could connect this evening and, and have this this chat. So again, I'll have the the link to your podcast. I'll have the link to your Instagram. Is there anywhere else that you would like for for people to connect, or are those the best places? Um, sh- those are pretty good places. I'm also on Twitter at okay. HeartWarrior24, and okay. um, yeah, that's about it. I also have a Patreon page but that can be um I, I don't know how you would i think that's called heart warrior 26 i'm not quite sure um okay but um if they wanted exclusive content outside of my silly little dance videos um they could um find um episodes um that way as well but um okay that's about it thank you so much for having me i've had so much fun and thank you so much Yeah, no, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, Deion Sanchez, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure. Absolutely. Lighter, except the steam from the 
all for the show today. Thank you so much to Dion for stopping by and sharing her walk of life. I also want to thank Misha Zarens for the music in today's show, and of course, thank you for listening. I also invite you to check out my other show, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a video game podcast where we explore the idea of why gaming matters. Pick Up Your Sticks can be found on any podcast app. As always, thanks again for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.